June 9th, 1995, started out as any normal day. Colleen Nick ran an in-home daycare and the last of the children that she took care of would be picked up by 5 p.m. Colleen and her six-year-old daughter Morgan were invited to attend a Little League baseball game with friends in the nearby town of Alma, Arkansas later that evening. After making grilled cheese sandwiches for Morgan, her four-year-old brother Logan, and 22-month-old Taryn, the children were bathed and then the family headed out for the evening. Colleen dropped the two younger kids off at their grandmother's house before heading to the baseball game with Morgan. But what was supposed to be a fun evening out at the ball fields with friends would turn out to be a night ending in tragedy for the family and friends of little Morgan Nick. What no one could have known at the time was that in a part of town that everyone considered extremely safe, a predator was on the hunt, searching for his next victim, particularly a child. After a few failed attempts early in their day to lure children into his truck, he headed to the ball fields in Alma and began to watch from inside the truck. This monster was not going to be leaving those fields alone. This is the case of missing six-year-old Morgan Nick. Hey, true crime fans. I'm your host, Heather. And I'm Danielle. And this is episode three of Gone in a Blink. Today's case is one that really hit me differently than some of the other cases I've researched. All the cases that I research and that we cover are very important. Every single one of them. But when it's an innocent child that is being preyed upon, it's not only something that sickens me, but it makes me extremely angry as well. So let's not waste any more time and jump right into Morgan's story. Colleen Nick and her six-year-old daughter Morgan met up with friends at the ball fields for a Little League baseball game in the town of Alma. According to the U.S. US Census Bureau, Alma had a population of approximately 3,800 people back in 1995. So the ballpark was a very small park, and it was surrounded by a chain-link fence and had no concession stands, no bathrooms, no frills, basically. It was, it was extremely small. They meet up with their friends in the bleachers around 9 p.m., Local kids had been running around the parking lot and field near the parking lot, chasing fireflies all evening. And two of the kids had asked Morgan several times to join them in chasing the fireflies. But Morgan was shy and she really wanted to just hang out close to her mother. Towards the end of the baseball game, the kids came over to Morgan and asked her one more time to go chase fireflies with them. And this time, Morgan decided she wanted to go with them. But her mom felt that it was getting too late 
and it was too dark outside, and so she told her daughter no. After thinking about it for a moment, Colleen thought about how her friends had always told her that she was too overprotective of Morgan. Her friends at the game assured her that the area was extremely safe and that nothing bad had ever happened there before. And so this made Colleen feel more at ease, and besides, she could see where the children were playing from the bleachers. So she decided to let Morgan go play with her friends. Now, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about everyone has that level of protection over their kids, and someone has always got an opinion about that, you know, because everybody, some people may think that this person is being too overprotective, and then other people might think, hey, that person's not being protective enough, but... I feel like if you have a gut instinct, first of all, you should always go with that. And in this case, it's so sad because she just felt initially like it was too late. I mean, we're talking, it's after nine o'clock. The Little League game didn't even start till nine o'clock. So it was after nine o'clock. It was dark. Her daughter's six. She just didn't feel overly comfortable letting her go play, but... With enough persuasion, and I in no way am am blaming anybody for this whatsoever. But she kind of ignored her gut. It sounds like that her friends have talked to her about this before, that she was being too overprotective, right? It sounds like she had that gut feeling that maybe she shouldn't. But she also kind of convinced herself that it may be okay because she could see where they were playing. Yes, I agree. I think that just, you know, kind of convincing herself that it would be okay. I think we've all been there. I know I have having children. I I know that I've been in that position where I'm trying to convince myself that it's okay. And I know as a parent, we all at some point or another have to let our guard down, even if it's just a little bit. And it just is sad to me when people get themselves to the point where they're comfortable enough to le- to let their guard down and then something tragic happens. So Colleen went to check on Morgan several times through the rest of the night and everything seemed to be going really well. And at the end of the night when the baseball game ended, all the kids headed back to the bleachers to be with their parents. So one of the kids that Morgan was playing with headed toward the bleachers she was playing with two little kids and one of them headed towards the bleachers while one stayed behind with Morgan while she sat next to her mother's car to empty sand out of her shoes after she put her shoes back on and began tying them her friends started walking up towards the bleachers to be with their parent also Colleen noticed that all of the kids had returned to the bleachers except for Morgan she began to worry. She asked the two kids that Morgan was playing with where her daughter was, and they told her she had stopped to empty sand out of her shoes. So in a panic, Colleen hurried over to the parking lot where the children said they left Morgan, but she was gone. Colleen frantically searched around her car and inside her car even, but there was no sign of Morgan. Now, it is important to note that it had literally only been a couple of minutes between the time that the child that was waiting on Morgan to empty her shoes had left Morgan until the time that Colleen ran to the parking lot to look for her. There was literally just 
two or three minutes in between there. That's what I was going to ask was that how long, but you said two or three minutes that that doesn't seem like that would be enough time for anything to happen. No, not at all. So by now it was a little closer to around 10 45 PM and the little league game had just ended. One of the coaches noticed that Colleen was in a panic And after being told that she could not find her daughter, he called 911. So other parents and coaches began searching for Morgan while waiting for police to arrive. And once police arrived, they conducted a grid search of the whole area, looking in muddy ravines and fields and everything of the sorts. Now, according to the Hulu true crime documentary, Still Missing Morgan, The two friends that Morgan were playing with told their parents as well as police that they saw a man with a scruffy beard watching them while they were playing. Witnesses came forward and said they had observed a suspicious red Ford pickup truck with a white camper in the parking lot near where the children were playing and that it had left around the time that Morgan had disappeared. The camper was noticed to have damage to the right rear and was described as being four to five inches too big for the truck. The truck also was described as having Arkansas plates. So video from an individual who was filming the actual ball game had captured the red pickup truck parked near the ball field. And we'll post a picture of that truck on our Facebook page. So it sounds like there was lots of witnesses And that this truck was a little bit out of the ordinary, so almost like an easy target. I'm kind of confused, though. How did somebody just happen to get the the guy's license plate while filming something else? I mean, yeah, I think he, he was filming the ball game itself. This was an extremely small ball field. So... What I had gathered was that the parking lot was pretty close to everything. And I'm not sure exactly what he was filming at the moment other than just the game and everything. And I did pull up online. There is the image of the parking lot and or a partial image of the parking lot in this video. And it's like a still picture of this red Ford pickup truck that's just you know, sitting in the parking lot. From what I gathered, there were several witnesses that spotted this truck. So initially, this this makes me kind of hopeful because you have lots of witnesses. You have a odd-looking red truck that, that seems like out of the ordinary. People were videoing, so there, there's a lot to go by. There most certainly is a lot to go by, and he did seem a bit out of place. So the night Morgan disappeared, police took the info, and I love this. They were on it. They took the info of everyone who had been at the ballpark that night, including their make and models of the vehicles they drove. They asked about any other friends or family that had been at the game that night and about the vehicles they drove as well. So then... What they did with that information is they formed a report of all the vehicles that were at the ballpark that night. And oddly enough, the red truck was not in those reports. So the red Ford pickup truck wasn't in the reports, but people there saw the pickup truck. How 
How was that not in the report? It wasn't in the report because they never got to speak to the owner of the truck. So several witnesses had reported seeing the truck, even though it wasn't in the reports, and it was captured on video as well. So there was no doubt that it had been there that night. And not only that, but it had been parked right next to Colleen's car. Right next to the car? Right next to the car. And right next to where Morgan had been emptying her shoes. So before long, police had developed a person of interest. The man was described as a white male, six feet tall, medium build with a mustache and one inch beard, thought to be somewhere between 23 and 38 years old. The first known interaction with the man driving the red Ford pickup truck came from a teenage girl who was approached by the driver while walking down the street. The man approached her and asked her if she wanted a ride to downtown Alma. The interaction scared the girl and she told him no and ran away. And not long after that, two girls ages five and six were playing outside in their front yard in northern Alma when they ran inside their house screaming When their mother looked outside, she observed a red pickup with a white camper pulling away from their house and driving off. Then, on August 9th, 1995, an 11-year-old girl told police that she was walking with her younger brothers near a Sonic in downtown Van Buren, Arkansas, when they were approached by a man driving a red pickup with a white camper. It's important also to note that Van Buren is only about 10 minutes right down the interstate from Alma where Morgan disappeared. So this guy had really been trying to get several children. Yeah, that was, I think that was just his ammo. He just would drive around in search of anyone that was willing to get into his truck. So the 11-year-old girl ended up telling police that the man offered her money if she would get inside of his truck and go with him to his house. She also stated that he made sexual advances towards her, and the girl ran away and police were then called. A witness who saw the encounter, thank God, reported the truck's tags to police and authorities ended up linking the truck back to a man by the name of Billy Jack Lynx. After that, an arrest warrant was issued. The very next day, an arrest was made. So... Then, in November 2021, the FBI had officially publicly named Billy Jack Links as a person of interest in the disappearance of Morgan Nick. Links was convicted of sexual indecency after attempting to abduct that same 11-year-old girl two months after Morgan went missing. So this was only two months after she went missing that he went on to try and abduct another child. To me, it's two months too long, though, that I I really want to know, okay, within this two months, was there any other leads that, I mean, I I can can just only imagine, you know, what this mother's going through. Her child's been missing for two months. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Billy Jack Blinks, he's got quite the record. This man shouldn't even be out driving around. He shouldn't even be free at this point. He's got quite the record. And a bit of a history of preying on young children. So it was discovered back in 1992, Billy Lynx had been accused of molesting one of his 
own granddaughters. He had been arrested and charged, but was given 10 years of probation, according to a report on the Crime Wire. Investigators feel there are other victims of links since he was on probation and free to prey upon any child he actually wanted to at that point. It was also reported on the Crime Wire website that a group of teenagers who were out driving near the Arkansas River had spotted a red truck with a white camper near the river and saw a man holding down a little girl in the front seat. Now, this was back in 1992, right? Well, so in 1992 was when he was accused of molesting his granddaughter. But he was arrested in 1995 after pursuing the 11-year-old girl. And then when he was spotted near the Arkansas River, what I gathered from that was that was at some point... Between the time that he preyed on the 11-year-old girl and the time that Morgan Nick had disappeared. There's only a two-month window there. Because Morgan disappeared in June of 1995 and this 11-year-old girl was pursued by him in August. So somewhere in that two-month window is when these teenagers saw this red truck with the camper near the Arkansas River and someone holding down a little girl in the front seat. Could that have been Morgan? That very well could have been Morgan. You know, it's no doubt in my mind, just from everything that I've read, kind of being on the outside, this man, I mean, his truck was in the in the parking lot. Yet his truck was not reported as being one of the vehicles that were at the game that day. He was parked right next to the car that belonged to Colleen Nick. And, you know, there were reports that he had been watching these kids throughout the evening playing, particularly Morgan. And she's left alone for two minutes, three minutes tops and in that short time frame I believe in my own personal opinion he took that as an opportunity and as soon as that other child left her I believe that he snatched her and took off well it it definitely seems that way I guess where I'm a little confused just knowing like a the the mo of a, a, a kidnapper or other cases that we've looked at that if they're going to do something, they, they usually do it quick, right? But then they, they get rid of the child pretty quickly as well. So I, I'm wondering, it's somewhere between that two months of when he had got arrested for the 11-year-old, those sexual advances, and when he had taken Morgan. I mean, I, I hate to, to think about that, but I, I do wonder, would Morgan even still be alive at that point? I mean, I feel like he would have already did something to her. I feel like in a lot of those cases, they don't keep the child alive long, unfortunately. I don't want to speculate because I know from reports that Morgan's family still believes that Morgan is alive. And I want to still believe Morgan is alive as well. So I mean, I I know and they know, I'm sure, that the odds are not in their favor. But at the same time, until there is a body, they have hope. 
And I, I want to support that hope for them. Well, and I, I definitely can, can respect that. So I'm wondering, like, has there been any clues as to, to maybe where, where she's at? They don't have a ton of things to go on at this point. But so investigators do believe that there are other victims of Lynx since he was on probation, like I mentioned. So investigators from several agencies searched Lynx in connection with the indecency charge on the 11-year-old. And they collected quite a bit of evidence from inside that pickup truck. So according to crime lab reports, blood was found on a portion of the seat and hair samples were obtained from various items. Blood was also found on the dashboard and blonde hair under the floor cover. So according to the Hulu documentary, Still Missing Morgan, investigators also found blue-green cotton fiber in the mat under the seat and metal pieces of the truck itself so it was lodged into those metal pieces and under the floor mat everything was sent off to the crime lab and when the results came back it was discovered that while the blonde hair and the blood did not contain enough dna for a conclusive match they were in fact able to match the fiber to a girl scout shirt of the same type that morgan was wearing at the time of her disappearance So, well, in the year 2000, while serving a sentence for the indecency charge after pursuing the 11-year-old girl in 1995, Billy Jack Lynx died in prison. In the documentary Still Missing Morgan, Colleen Nix stated, quote, I think the part that bothers me the most is that the perpetrator is deceased. At the end of the day, that means that there is no justice. No one has to stand and face us for what they did, unquote. So I guess what I'm gathering is that they did find things that were in the the red truck, but it was uninclusive, meaning that they found hair samples, they found blood, but it wasn't enough that they could link it to Morgan Nick. The most solid uh, piece of evidence they had was from a fiber of a shirt that she was wearing at the time a type that she was wearing at the type of a Girl Scout. Is that correct? Yes, and I think it was a very rare, it was a very microscopic um, match, but it was the most solid that they had. And it was of that type of Girl Scout shirt that she was last seen wearing. So it it was the most solid they had. But unfortunately... He died in prison, and so they didn't even have the opportunity to try him. To me, that has to be the hardest, you know, situation. Morgan's mom, Colleen, knows her daughter was taken. Everybody that was there that night have have been looking for her. They were probably looking for some kind of answers. It looks like the police really acted very quickly and very swiftly on this. And still, this many years later, to not have a lot of information. And then the one person that could give you that information dies in prison. Yeah, that's got to be extremely hard. And my heart really goes out to this family that is just trying to search for answers and find their daughter. And for the one person of interest, I feel like he was more than a 
person of interest. He had a lot going against him and he had a record, you know, for preying on young children. And he was the best shot at finding Morgan and then he dies in prison. And so it's just heartbreaking. But it's also sickening that, you know, that this man, that's how he led his life. He was just in search of victimizing young children. And, you know, their day started out as any typical day. And, you and you know, I've, I've thought a lot about that and how we just wake up in the morning and we have breakfast or our coffee or whatever, and we start our day not knowing what the day is going to hold for us. And that's how it was for them. And it was something as simple and innocent as going to meet up with friends in a small Arkansas town. And look what happened. I mean, it completely ended in tragedy and no one could have foreseen that. And it just goes to show that you never know. You just never know. There's always someone out there that is just up to evil. No, I, I definitely you know feel that you're right, that he had a history of preying on children. He was in prison for you know sexual advances towards an 11-year-old. So having this, you know, this rap sheet as he did, I wonder... Did he, and maybe we don't have this information, I'm not sure, but I'm wondering, did he have the, you know, the audacity to say that no, he did not do this or that you would think if he's serving time for something else that he he would admit to this as well? No, he, he actually said that he did not kidnap Morgan and a polygraph test was performed and came back negative. And so investigators had to kind of step back from it. But polygraph tests really don't hold a lot. They're not admissible in court at all. I don't have a lot of faith in polygraph tests. So, but they weren't able to really pursue it. But I, you know, I think the investigators, their their eyes were on him. And everybody's eyes were on him. And it's just awful that he died in prison and didn't get they didn't get a chance, the family didn't get a chance to seek the justice that they deserved for their daughter. I totally agree. I mean, with a polygraph, I've always heard that they they can be pretty reliable. However, like if you are a sociopath or you have like no feeling about that. Think about like when somebody lies, we we hear a lot that, you know, that their blood, blood pressure goes up, heartbeat beating faster. That's, I think, what polygraphs rely on is that so if he didn't give that much concern about Morgan unfortunately or any of the other children I I could see that to where he's not showing any signs of lying but honestly I mean it sounds like they they found something in his truck so if that wasn't Morgan's then whose was it I I'm a pretty firm believer in that he did play a huge part maybe the only part in Morgan's disappearance and possibly various other children as well. We know that he made numerous attempts. So what other attempts that they may not have came through with these other children that were lucky enough to get away? But what about 
instances where the child did not, you know, necessarily say no or, you know, what was he able to get away with? This is a man that molested his own granddaughter. So he's going to molest his own his own blood. He's not going to stop with that, you know, and he proved that by all the attempts that all the failed attempts that he made. So since Morgan's disappearance, her mother, Colleen, has started the Morgan Nick Foundation. Its mission is to educate children and teenagers about personal and online safety and to try and prevent child abductions. Morgan Nick went missing on June 9th, 1995 from Alma, Arkansas. She would be 24 years old today. Her parents believe Morgan is still alive and there have been possible sightings of her all across the US. If you have any information in this case, please contact the Alma Police Department at area code 479-632-3333 or the National Center for Missing Children at 800-THE-LOST. That's 800-843-5678. We will post this info on our Facebook page as well as a link and contact info for the Morgan Nick Foundation. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Gone in a Blink. Follow us on social media at Gone in a Blink on our Facebook page or on Instagram at Gone in a Blink Pod. If you have any ideas for a show or would like to contact us, you can send us an email at goneinablinkpod at gmail.com. And if you like our show, please help us out and give us five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And finally, please remember, be safe, be smart, and try not to blink.